Today on the Midweek Move, we're talking about dealing with conflict in matters of the heart. Hello and welcome to the Midweek Move. We're so glad you guys have hit the play button, whether that's on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Facebook. Thank you for being part of our community here today. I'm Dallas, and I'm really excited to be continuing this journey through the Book of Acts with you guys. We've been doing this line by line, verse by verse, marching through the Book of Acts together, and it's been an amazing time of conversations with all kinds of great individuals. Uh, today, I'm joined by our lead pastor here at The Healing Place, Scott Etheridge. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Dallas. I'm ready to get into Acts 15. Yes, there's there's so much happening here. And um, what I love about the book of Acts is that everything plays off each other. We're, this is a continuing story. This isn't just a, oh, here's here's this thing, here's this thing. This is a continual narrative about the life of God's people here. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you're listening, uh, go back and check out the previous episodes if you haven't, because we've had some fantastic conversations that lead up to this with Carlos, with uh, Mike Conaway from Fearless House. Uh, we had Cassie Hammett from The Hub a few weeks ago. And each one of those individuals have brought some amazing points that's leading us to this moment right here. But uh, let's jump into it. Let's jump into Acts chapter 15, Pastor. All right, Acts 15, verse 1. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. What? (laughs) (laughs) Didn't we just cover this conversation just a few chapters back? Yes, we did. Now, it says a certain few certain men. We know in context, if we look at the whole context of the scriptures of Galatians, Paul talks about this. And one of those guys was actually Peter himself causing some of these issues. Yep. The very guy who talked to the, the Gentiles in the first. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's interesting that, you know, they've they've sailed to Antioch. They've come. They've gathered together. They've gathered the church together. Right. They're giving them all these amazing reports of what God is doing amongst the Gentiles. <laughs> right. And it seems like every single time, we've been almost every single chapter, it's been like, hey, God is doing all this amazing stuff, but... Right. (laughs) Right? So it's always this crowd of like, wait a second. Oh, yeah, God is doing great things, but let us get our hands in here. Mm. Let us get our opinions in here. Let us get our thought processes in here. And what we've seen up to this point is we've seen the political realm... And the religious realm kind of converge mm-hmm. in a power structure. Right. And in that power structure, we've seen the apostles and disciples doing amazing exploits for the Lord, but there always comes that BUT, and it's normally coming from <laughs> someone who wants to control the narrative. You right. know, you talked about the narrative in the intro about like we've been going in this narrative and it's this narrative approach, but it's amazing of how they're living this in real time. Yet there are people trying to insert themselves right. into the narrative of what God is doing yeah. to begin to try to take credit for it. Mm-hmm. So in this, I think it's, uh, I think it's amazing that here they are, they're, they're talking about all these amazing things and it's like, Okay, unless <laughs> you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So uh, I know we're going to read about it a little bit more, Dallas, but like in that context, why is circumcision such a big deal right here? Well, circumcision has always been a, a, a marking that you belong to God, that you belong to the family of God, to the Jewish nation. And uh, so this was a massive ordeal going all the way back, even like in uh, the days of of Joshua before they were entered into the promised land, start taking over things. They had to circumcise everybody. They hadn't been circumcised yet this, uh, at that point. Why? Because it was marking going, 
I am here to serve the Lord. Yeah, not just the children. Right. The but men. you're talking about age about 21, 22, 23 down, mm-hmm. lining up and Joshua with a flint knife. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to worry about tetanus, but <laughs> it's not a good thing. <laughs> not a good thing. But the point Joshua was making is that in order to cross over into what God has for you, this is going to hurt. Yeah. Because in order not to follow in the generational, some label it generational curses, mm-hmm. but the generational sin right. of your fathers, your forefathers, there's going to have to be a change. Right. And I just did a video about this uh, recently about how people think, you know, December the 31st, January 1st, <laughs> boom, it's a new me. Well, right. it's not a new you. Right. You know, just because it's now another year does not mean that's a new you. A new you comes from within. There has to be transformation inside. You can do all these resolutions and you can begin to do all this outward stuff. But if there's not a change inside of here, Mm -hmm. you're going to continue with the same mindset that's going to continue you on a path. The only way out of that is sometimes pain. Yeah. You know, if if you don't work out and you begin to work out. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to be painful. It's going to be painful. <laughs> I mean, I use Miss Tanya. You know, she's kickboxing now and doing all this crazy wow. stuff in training. And so, a couple of weeks ago, she's walking through the living room and she's like, "Hey, stop everything right now!" And I'm like, "What is going on?" And she's like, "I'm having a heart attack." And I'm like, "What? What's happening right now? Let's pray." And she was like, "It's right here and it's down here." And I said, "Well, where did you work out today?" And she was like. Uh, right here, right here. And I was like, you're not having a heart attack. You're just getting into shape. It's like, it's like if you want to make a move, there has to be pain. And I think it's interesting mm-hmm. that they're talking about an external circumcision, but everything the apostles and disciples have been talking about up to this point is an internal, mm-hmm. a change of thinking, right. which is hard right. and hurts. Yeah. So I, I think that there are, um, there's a big dichotomy even in this one <laughs> verse of what they're asking for, yet what God is really telling them to do. Exactly. All right, verse 2. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension. So in other words, they're kind of going after it a little bit. Right. <clears throat> it's, not, it's not a small dissension. Right. No small dissension and dispute with them. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Now, Jerusalem was kind of be looked at as the place. You got all these things going on in Galilee, these other places. Go to Jerusalem. That's where you go. That's where the wise people are. Right. They will be able to take care of it. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. So even on their way to Jerusalem, they're declaring all these amazing—they're not just going to Jerusalem to go, hey, here's what's going on with the circumcision. They're continuing to tell the story. They're continuing to tell of the exploits of what God is doing amongst the Gentiles. Right. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they were reported all the things that God had done with them, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed— now, again, when we say Pharisees, immediately we kind of think of religious. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when people say Pharisees, their context is not those who have come to Christ. Right. But this is 
of the Pharisees that believed. Right. This was a, a Jewish sect, a group of individuals who were Jewish individuals, just like there were Sadducees and other groups that, uh, that were part of the Jewish culture at the time, but they came to know Christ themselves. Yep. And so this isn't like it's just like we don't believe in Jesus, like, you know, like just normal Pharisees like we think of from the Gospels. These are actual people, but they're holding on to traditions. They're holding on to things that they were raised with, yep. which I think is part of the some of the struggle. They were raised with a mindset uh, because they're Pharisees of we have these traditions we keep, and those traditions kept them in power. Yep, it gave them authority, and so there's these guys are wrestling with from the, generation to generation, generation to generation. Yeah, yeah, they were raised in this. That's right. You know, they they were raised to think a certain way, and now they're wrestling with the the new gospel, the the new covenant that has been given to them through Jesus. Just like we've talked about with the Sadducees holding to the no resurrection. Right. So everybody's having to walk through these things that have become staples in their life, yet it's not what God is doing, and it's not what God is saying. Exactly. And so here's what they said. It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them Mm. to keep the law of Moses. Now, why? I mean, this isn't like, hey, if you want to, this is it is necessary. Mm-hmm. They're basically saying the same thing that they were saying up in Antioch, which is unless you're circumcised, you can't be saved. Right. They're they're commanding them to what we call being uh, Judaizers. They're like, you will be a Jew. Yep. A to Z. We see people like that today that they they come to faith and for whatever reason they believe that they have to follow the the Tanakh and the Torah all the way through. They start wearing the the tallit. And that's simply not a commandment that's right. that we see here at all. But for whatever reason, this group of individuals is like, you're going to look like us. You're going to talk. We're, there's no room for you to be you. You have to look and sound just like us all the way through. Yeah, it's almost like a Jew gives their life to Christ, and now all of a sudden they think that they can't hold to any of their Jewish mm-hmm. traditions mm-hmm. at all. And that's just not the case. Right. Or, again, a Gentile comes to faith suddenly discovers their Hebrew roots, and now all of a sudden, I'm a son of Abraham. And they start talking all this lingo, and they start doing all this external stuff. Now the focus is not Christ anymore. Right. It's about the outward stuff that they have on themselves. That's right. And then things become idols. Right. And it's this weird dichotomy of a balancing of not all cultural things are wrong, but not all cultural things should be there either. That's right. And that's the balance that we're seeing take place here. And Paul even goes on to deal with that later on, yeah. which all things may be lawful for me, but not <laughs> yeah. expedient, not right. right for me to do. Right. It's not that it's quote unquote wrong, mm-hmm. but it is not to my benefit that mm-hmm. I do this. Right. And I think that's a, that is a lesson our current culture could, because I hear it all the time. It's like, well, I can do that. The word doesn't say anything against that. Well, you can do that. Right. But is is, is it expedient for you to do that? Is it benefiting to you and your witness and to the witness of Christ mm. for you to do that? Right. If not, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. This is verse 6. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Peter finds himself in these places all the time where he has to rise up and say something. Mm-hmm. Peter rose up and said to the men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by the mouth of the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, man, Mm. this is a key. You and I were talking about this earlier. You talk about circumcision, it's an external thing, but now Peter goes right to literally the heart of the matter. Right. He's like, listen, you know that God who knows the heart 
And then he says, acknowledge them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. So now he is removing the us against them, Mm -hmm. and he's bringing it all together. And he goes on to say, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. I mean, he just lays out everything for them right here, cutting through the argument of you got to do all these other things. He's like, look, it's a matter of the heart. And not just that. God's the one that purifies us. The the actions of the Pharisees, the mindset of the Pharisees was we do all the stuff to purify ourselves. Yep. We dip in the, in the mikvah so many times. We have to sacrifice this. We have to do this. We have to wear certain things all the time. We have to to bind the scriptures literally to our heads That's and right. our arms. That's right. To purify ourselves. And he's saying, you're not doing anything for yourself. That's right. It's Christ who purifies us to the nth degree. Yep. That's who we put our trust and our faith into. And I think it's important to realize that he says, you have acknowledged Mm-hmm. That they receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So how can you now come on and lay this stuff on top of them? So verse ten. Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Mm. Man, like there is a whole, there is a whole teaching that you, just in verse ten. Yeah. Because he's like, listen, God is looking at the heart, and God is doing this. Why are you going to test God by adding things to what he has said? Sure. On the neck of them. Now, that was very important. Mm-hmm. Why is the neck important, and this is what he's talking about? Well, within a yoke, it's, what, it's the carrying of, of the things. It's, um, the yoke was meant to uh, bind you to something else, yep. to a... In, in a farming tech manner, it was finding a, uh, a young calf to an older calf to learn to walk with. But people were yoked to the law, basically, and it wasn't beneficial. It was crushing them, literally. And he also talked about being unequally yoked and right. what happens. Well, if you're unequally yoked, then there's no straight. Right. There's no straight row exactly. when you're plowing in because Christ? you're unequally yoked. It's the same thing if you unequally yoke yourself, mm-hmm. believer, unbeliever. Right. There are going to be some contentions. There. Right. And we're commanded to be yoked with Christ. He yep. says, come to my yoke because my burden is easy. Yep. And so he's he's calling them out of this, which is, you know, when I read this myself, I, I found myself questioning, have have I myself at times in my zeal to help people to grow, in my zeal to help people to walk in what God has for them, maybe accidentally put uh, a yoke on them, a burden mm-hmm. on them going, hey, this is how you need to do it. Just because it's my conviction. Right. It's like, this is what I had to walk out. And have I put that on people at times and expected them to walk the same way I did? Well, that's, it wasn't bad. <laughs> it might have benefited them if they did some of the stuff I suggested, but it wasn't really what they had for them, what God had for them, or what's going to benefit their specific needs. Well, it's also like you you grab somebody from where they're at and try to bring them to where you are, mm. not realizing that you had to take that journey yourself to get to where you are. They're going to have to take that journey. You can't just pluck them from ankle deep and just right. immerse them, exactly. they will drown. They will. I uh, I don't know if I've shared it on the show here before or not, but I, there is a, uh, a, there's a story I tell sometimes about, I was talking with an individual, and he was frustrated with these new converts who, new Christians who would come to the altar, they cry, they give their lives to Christ, and two weeks later, he see them just floundering, just just falling apart, walking away from Christ, and he was angry and frustrated, so I'm talking with them, trying to figure out what's going on. I said, well, when you see them, do you go to them and go, hey, I'm excited for you. Let me help you walk this out. Let me help disciple you. Let me teach you how to read the word. And his response was, no, they should just do it. They should just know. This is what, you know, read the Bible. That's what you got to do. I'm like, 
you don't see why that would be a conflict. Here's our people who've been raised in a a world of of sin. Some of them, they have cultural Christianity that's been pushed upon them by media and by um, perhaps poor examples of Christianity. They don't know. Yeah, they need you to walk them through some stuff. You can't expect somebody who just got saved to come out the next week and they're Leonard Ravenhill. You can't do that. <laughs> You've got to walk people through some stuff and not put on your own burdens of things, of your expectations. And that's what the Pharisees are doing. They're expecting them. Oh, you're a convert. Cool. Where's your tleek? Where's yeah. this? Where's do this? these things right? Walk as a Jew, as we have walked all over. almost as if it's a bitterness thing. Almost as a jealous older brother, like, I had to do this. Why don't you have to do this? Well, what's crazy is, is that the the apostles are pointing out to them that God is moving amongst the Gentiles, and he's pouring out his spirit upon them. They right. are growing. Right. Like, they are taking their next step in Jesus. In our terminology, they're taking their next step in Jesus. They're growing in the Lord. Right. They're, everywhere the apostles are going, people are growing. Why? Because they're teaching. They're prophesying to them. They're praying with people. They're staying. Mm-hmm. In the chapter before this, it said that they stayed in Antioch with them for a while. They're discipling them, just like you said. Mm -hmm. But yet the Pharisees are still like, but (laughs) they haven't been circumcised. But they haven't done this. Mm -hmm. But they haven't done that. It's almost like going all the way back to when we dealt with um, Acts chapter 9 with Cornelius' household. It's like, uh, okay, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now they're being baptized in water. What just happened? Like, (laughs) isn't it supposed to be the opposite? Like, that whole outward, well, you got to be baptized in water. You got to, well, who said that that has to be the order? Right. Like, God, God will move in anyone's life that's open to Him to move however He wants to move. And whatever order those things become in, it's okay. Right. As long as it lines up with the Word of God, that's right. (laughs) That's right. And I think it's very interesting that they're pointing out, listen, our fathers were not even able to carry this. Yeah. Like they weren't able to live under the law. Mm-hmm. Like they were broken by it. Mm-hmm. And they were sinful. Right. And if we're not careful, we're going to commit the sins of our fathers right. all over again. Which is poignant that he brings up the fathers to the Pharisees, because the Pharisees were all about that. The That's Pharisees right. were like, we sit on the seat of Moses, meaning we're, we they consider themselves to be the generation. That was their whole contention. The entire thing. We were raised up this way. <laughs> yeah. And yet he's going... Of course you were, but don't you remember our fathers could not handle this either. Exactly. So verse 11, but we believe that through the grace, there's the Mm. man. Now he takes them from the law to grace. Now he's bringing them into new covenant. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent. Mm. Man, I love it. When the word of God comes forth with the anointing and with authority, man, there is a stillness that comes. Mm-hmm. I don't know why churches sometimes are so afraid of stillness <laughs> in a moment. Because in a stillness of a moment, man, that's when you know God has God has silenced everything because he is speaking. Mm-hmm. So it says, Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered. Mm. So now we've got, it's not just one person talking. Mm-hmm. We've got Paul, we've got Barnabas, we've got Peter. Right. Now we have James. In uh, Lord of the Rings, probably uh, terminology, James the Wise, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty <Okay>. much. <laughs> so James the Wise, right? So he's like, he says, men and brethren, listen to me. 
Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. Mm. And with this, the words of the prophets agree. Man, this is so key right. because of who he's talking to. Right. They've been calling on their forefathers, and now James is going to quote their forefathers. Exactly. With the prophets of whom you agree with, mm-hmm. and the prophets agreed to this. Right. Just as it is written, after this I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will re- rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up. Now, this harkens all the way back. Tabernacle of David is not with brick and mortar. It's a tent. It's open. It's 24-7. It's not, um, it's not one person goes into it. It is. It, it was open. And when we see allusions to the Tabernacle of David in the New Testament, we're talking about us, the mm. temple of the Holy Spirit. Right. Now we have access. There is no veil. There aren't sections of it. Everything is open. It is open to everybody. The presence of God now is open to everybody. And it says, So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, those that have accepted Christ, Mm -hmm. says the Lord who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them, and this is very interesting, Mm that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So James says, we shouldn't forbid them because of circumcision, right? but we should encourage them with these things. Mm-hmm. Why is it so important for the things that he mentioned? Because he's dealing with the the cultural things that were putting them under bondage at the time. These are these aren't just like just things that we just agree with. This is like, hey, this is stuff that's actually hurting you. Like this is putting you in bondage to the enemy. These were these were acts of idolatry worship that these people had. The the sexual morality, the the things strangled uh, and drinking of blood. These were things that were legitimately hurting them at the time. Yeah, sin against your own flesh, mm-hmm. sin against yourself. Right. You know, especially in sexual immorality. And he was talking about being polluted by idols. That's pulling you away from God. Mm-hmm. Not being circumcised is not pulling the Gentiles away from Jesus. Right. That's it's not even an <laughs> issue for them. Right. It's not something that that is taking their attention towards anything else. And James goes, "Listen, you're looking at the outside, but the Lord." He's kind of echoing what was said before. Mm-hmm. The Lord is looking at the heart because these things were defilement. Right. They were they would defile you mm-hmm. and take you towards sin. Right. Now, what's the difference between the things sacrificed at the altars here and what happens in Corinthians when Paul tells you, "Hey, uh, if it's not a big deal to you, go ahead and eat it." Yeah. So we kind of have two different scenarios going on here because of what's happening in Corinth at the time and that region. Right. And the sin of those believers as opposed to what's happening in Antioch. Right. So in Corinth, you have all manner of things that are taking place mm-hmm. within the church. Right. Not unbelievers, but within the church. Sure. You've got abusive gifts. You've got selfishness has run rampant. People are running over people in line for the love feast. Right. He's like, if you're starving, you need to go home and eat <laughs> and then come back and partake of this because you're supposed to be deferring to your brother. Right. He's dealing with behavioral patterns in Corinth of things that have taken place, but then he's 
over here going, listen, this isn't that big of a deal because here is where you've been falling. Right. Here they're going, that isn't that big of a deal, but here is where you need to be reminded. Right. These things are bad. Right. This almost goes back to the whole point of like, we can't expect everyone to, there's no like one size fits all for everybody to help people grow and take their next step with God. We have to understand the culture we're dealing with, who we're walking with, and help them to really walk through some stuff to become who they need to be. Uh, last week we dealt with um, some believers in um, Iconia, and here we have uh, Paul and um, Barnabas there in a culture they don't realize this is a culture that's looking for Zeus and uh, one of his people to come show up again. Right. They don't realize that. So when they show up, all of a sudden, like, oh, you guys think, no, no, hold on, let's fix this cultural thing that we didn't realize you have. That's right. Here, it's the same thing. There's a cultural issue they have with these things, which is why Paul has dealt with another cultural issue later. These aren't conflicting reports in the scriptures, conflicting commands in the scriptures. It's a matter of they're speaking to specific individuals and places, which is one of the reasons why we have to put the work into studying the scriptures to understand the context and the actual application to our lives. Context, context, <laughs> context. Some of our most favorite words. Love it. Verse 22. <clears throat> then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them. The apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised to keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. Like, we didn't even, we didn't put our stamp on that. Right. That is not, the, basically what they're saying is, that is not the Lord. Right. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord. There's the kicker. Mm. We are in one accord. We've been praying and fasting. We're right. not talking about the law. We're talking about what is the Lord saying. To send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, almost putting them in a different category than the Pharisees. They haven't risked their lives for anything. Right. They've been in comfort. <laughs> they're, in, they're in comfort in their traditions. Right. That's not of the Lord. These men have actually risked their lives for the right. gospel. And not just that. It's putting in the, the reader who's reading this, the original people got that letter. They're going, well, we know Paul and Barnabas. We can trust these guys that have come with Paul and Barnabas here. That's right. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I love it mm. that they put it seemed good to the Holy Spirit first, mm -hmm. not just it seemed good to us. Yeah, I had a good idea about this. No. <laughs> no, this was the Holy Spirit. Is it the Lord? Yeah. To lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, necessary things. I believe if you do a word search on necessary uh, in this context, it is it de delineates between uh, cultural behavior and sin, mm. just like you said. Necessary things. These are necessary things to keep you from defilement, mm -hmm. to keep sin from from getting into your heart. Right. That you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Right. Farewell. Purity. They're talking about purity. Yeah. If you keep yourselves pure... Now, James goes to this place of Christ has come to purify you. But after that, the next step is you purify yourselves with your actions. Right. What you do and what you don't do. Mm -hmm. 
will dictate whether you remain pure. Sure. And what I love about it is like this is this is short, sweet, and very to the point. They're not dragging stuff out. They're not they're not even dragging the Pharisees through. They're like, hey, nope. we didn't we didn't handle this. Like that wasn't them. This is the truth. Let's move on. And they're not they're not trying to pass the buck to anybody else. They're going, hey. They're not naming everybody. <clears throat> they're just saying some among us have troubled you. Right. That's not the Lord. Right. Here's what the Lord is saying. And that's the key. What is the Lord? We say this all the time. What is the Lord? Somebody comes to you. All You get people often come to you going, Pastor, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And what's the first thing you say to them? What is the Lord saying? That's right. And this is what they've done here. They're like, this is and what the Lord And how many says. times do they not like that? <laughs> Almost all the time. You're supposed to have the word, Pastor. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Why'd you ask? That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> all right, verse 30. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. So they've... They've been in Antioch, they've gone to Jerusalem, they've come back. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, now these are the people that the letter was sent to. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Mm. It wasn't that this letter was telling them, hey, you can sin and do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. The letter actually said, listen, what you were told, that's a tradition. Right. That's not heaven or hell, that's right. not sinful, but there are some things mm -hmm. that are going to be necessary. Right. But even in that, they were encouraged right. by it. it. It broke the bondage that was being brought to them by the the uh, the yoke, as I described earlier, of, well, you had to follow these traditions, and it actually freed them. Yep. It's, it's amazing what happens when you give people the freedom to go, hey, this is what the Word actually says, was, was remove the traditions, was remove the yoke of the tradition that is here. And hey, let's, let's walk in this. We've been talking about uh, resist the devil and how a lot of people think, well, resist the devil means all the things I should not do, i.e. the law. Right. Whereas it's a matter of resisting the devil really is what you can do to lean into the Lord. This is how you have freedom. This is how you walk this out. And this is what they've given them. Like even today, us doing this midweek move, us reading this and yeah. going through the scriptures line by line, we're resisting the devil right Absolutely. now. <laughs> like by what we're doing, we're resisting the devil. So they were encouraged by it. Verse 32, now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained at Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So we see this kind of, uh, I think we alluded to this uh, a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. about prophets and teachers being together right. uh, in in certain scenarios. We see it again, right. prophets and teachers together. I think that is such an interesting tandem mm -hmm. because you very rarely hear of that in the modern-day church right. being put together. Right. Normally it's apostles and prophets. Mm -hmm. You know, it's pastors, teachers, and kind of evangelists are kind of in their own right. segment. Mm -hmm. But here... It's really showing true transformation and growth is coming through prophets and teachers together. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm not saying that's a giant revelation. I'm just saying that's an interesting, <laughs> it's such an interesting um, scenario because we don't hear of that a lot in the modern day church. And mm -hmm. I think that we need to recognize that the prophets and the teachers together do complement one another mm -hmm. because the prophet is like, here's what the Lord is saying. Right. And then the teacher comes in and goes, okay, here's what that means, mm -hmm. and here's how we grow from that. Let me ask this. What does exhorting and strengthening the brethren mean? So exhortation is it takes on the connotation of lifting somebody up, okay, bringing them up beyond their 
whether it be circumstance, you exhort them. Right. It's almost like if if I walk into a room and um, something needs to be done, mm-hmm. and I exhort people to get it done. What am I doing? Well, I'm not walking around smacking people <laughs> in the head. That's not exhorting anybody. Right. I'm like, come on, let's go, let's right. go, let's go, let's go. Man, God is saying this. God right. is doing this. Man, let's be a part of what God is doing. Like we're, I'm exhorting them. I'm right. not just encouraging them. Mm-hmm. But I'm bring I'm lifting them up. If there's doubt in the room, I'm speaking faith. Right. If there's fear, I'm speaking courage and and strength. So when it says exhorting them and strengthen them, so he's, he's calling in them up to a higher place. Mm-hmm. But then they're strengthening them. How they're strengthened? Deepening their roots. Right. So you exhort them, you bring them up, and then you 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 root them. Mm-hmm. Even deeper than they were before. Right. It's like a calling up and a digging down. Mm-hmm. So we have the the prophets exhorting, calling them up and digging down. How does that play into the teaching aspect then that we see later? Well, the exhortation is more in a preaching, mm-hmm. proclaiming, and the strengthening is more in a teaching because mm-hmm. the teaching portion of it is more discipleship than the prophetic aspect mm-hmm. of it. The prophetic aspect of it is um, is... Thus saith, here's what the Lord is saying, mm-hmm. right? But then the teaching aspect of it is, here's how you live it out. Right. That's the discipleship portion right. of it. This is a great example of what it looks like for the church to function the way it should be functioning. We need the the exhortation. It's not just the preaching on the Sunday morning or anything else. We need discipleship. We need yep. people to go in there going, hey, let me let me walk you through some stuff. You know, um, you do a lot of things. You, you, uh, you have a, a small group of men that you help lead, you do different stuff. You, uh, you help teach at our local, uh, the hub here locally in Shreveport. But Sunday morning, that's, that's your exhortation time for the most part. Sometimes it's, you lean into the teaching just because you're, you're naturally a teacher. Right. But it's that multifaceted for a healthy church. The modern church needs this where we have the exhortation as we've kind of jokingly called it, you know, some people just turn into nothing but a Ted talk. It's more than that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's more than just that, but we need that teaching. We need this option to go because yeah. we are equipping the body to do more. And that can change too in scenarios and atmospheres is that I think the reason why the, the prophet and teacher thing together is because I believe that those are my dominant gifts. Those mm-hmm. two. I, some people would say, well, you're a pastor, so that's a kind of a dominant gift. But I, I just don't I don't think that that has to be the case. Mm-hmm. I feel like my bend is toward the prophetic and teaching. Mm-hmm. And that can manifest in different ways. Yeah. I would say that the first message of 2022 was not necessarily teaching. It was more preaching. Yeah. It was more exhortation. It was more, here's what the Lord is saying. Here's what we're doing. Come on, get up. Let's let's do this. Let's go. Well, what are we going to do with that now? Well, now we need to strengthen the stakes, right? and we need to dig a little bit deeper. So the message the next Sunday will turn into more of a let's strengthen, let's deepen. It may not be as much exhortation, mm-hmm. um, preaching, as it is teaching. Right. Now let's dig a little bit deeper. And then the other things that we're adding in the, in the coming month or two will strengthen what we're talking about on that Sunday morning. So there are those two things together um, working in unison, and I wouldn't say it's a new revelation. It is a new revelation for me. I've read it a million times, (laughs) but I just see it in a different form, and I think that it's because... I have video proof that this was a new thing for you. Yeah, I mean, it's like... (laughs) happened right here on the show. (laughs) Yeah, it was in real time. Me and Mike both. Mm -hmm. Me and Mike both were like, man, I've read this a million times. Like... Mike, he's been in this thing 40 years, and he was right. like, man, I've read this a million times, and mm. I never really saw that. And I think that it's because 
whether it's 2022 or just the current generation we're living in, there needs to be a recognition of the prophet and teacher together mm -hmm. and how that does strengthen the body so much. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, verse 36. <laughs> Let's end it on an interesting <laughs> note. Interesting is correct. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they were doing. Every city. This That's a lot of places. <clears throat> that's a lot of traveling. Yeah. So now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp. Mm. Now, this is Paul and Barnabas. Yeah. I mean, they're tight. They've been anointed together. They've been sent out together. Right. They've done life together. Man, they've been through it together. Right. These are guys, for us, it's 13 chapters, 15 chapters. For them, this has been years, maybe. Right. Of almost brotherhood walking together. And you have Barnabas, whose name literally means the son of encouragement, mm -hmm. and we've seen him used that way. So when we see this, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Mm. But Paul chose Silas. Now, this is. Out of contention comes a divine appointment. Mm -hmm. Like this is, we talk about moments create movement all, all the time. Yeah. This is a moment. And it could have been looked at as, man, this is a terrible moment. Like this is horrible. Paul and Barnabas will never, like there shouldn't be any contention at all. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren of the grace of God. And he went throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This is so key. Because of what it sets up is about to happen. Right, it is. It's this is a this is a divine setup, really, to see God move in a powerful way, uh, not just through Paul and Silas, but through a new a young man named Timothy, which we'll talk about next week with uh, Jaron. Um, and I, I think you, it's it's interesting that it came out of this contention, out yeah. of this like we're having strife, but. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe it's good for people to go, all right, you go this direction, we're going to go this way. We're not having hard feelings about it. we got a job to do. And why did Paul not want John Mark to go with him? Because he thought John had just like was just left him. He's like, oh, you're not really about this. But like we said earlier, this is the, the son of a, a encouragement. Barnabas is looking for opportunities to redeem this young man, it seems like. It seems yeah. like he's looking at him going, hey, I know you messed up. That's fine. You know, for whatever, we don't, we don't know why he left. It could be just he was scared. It could have been just, you know, we don't know. But he says, I want you to come with me. I want to give you another chance to do something great. And they do later. And I think it's interesting that, you know, Colossians 4.10 talks about Barnabas and his cousin being Mark, mm -hmm. which gives an allusion back to John Mark. Right. So there's another kind of <laughs> interesting piece here is that Barnabas is actually related to John Mark. Mm -hmm. So there brings another layer of, hey, man, that's my cousin. That's my family. Right. Listen, man, I, I know we're brothers, but that's my family. And that's, I think that is the key for us is that I think sometimes we tend to lean to have more grace for just all-out sinful people we don't even know. Ooh, this is true. And have no grace for our family. This is so true. Because we know them. Mm -hmm. We know all their imperfections. We can even bring that into the church, mm -hmm. that we have so much grace for the sinner lost, not in church, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we have no grace for those within the family of God. Right. 
And I'm not saying that's what's happening with Barnabas, but I do think that it's interesting that Paul doesn't seem to have, and we know that Paul had grace Mm -hmm. on certain people. Yeah. (laughs) And we know that in this scenario, he's pretty much going, no, that was because, again, it wasn't a pattern from John Mark from what we can see or what's been said here. Mm -hmm. It was that one instance that he didn't go with them for whatever reason. Right. And Paul's just like, no way. But Barnabas is like, listen, like, I believe in him, but also he's my family. I don't want to see him be given over to where maybe he's lost. Right. And I think that's where I look at somebody like Barnabas, and I'm like, man, I want to be like that. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to look at that person and go, man, there's there's redemptive qualities in them somewhere. Yeah. Like, yes, I get it. There are moments where you can't take someone the next step. Right. You just can't do it. It's not that you give up on their salvation, Mm -hmm. but you can't be the one to bring them to that place. Our associate pastor here, Matt Marino, he likes to say, put it this way, you can only take people as far as they let you. That's right. You can't push them. They, you can take them as far as they let you, but as soon as they fight back, that's on them. Yep. You got to let them do what they're going to do. Now, what I do find interesting is that Barnabas is looking at the heart of, of, of John Mark. He's like, I see something here. Yep. Paul's looking at his actions, which is the exact thing he was just fighting <laughs> earlier in the chapter. Come on. Talk about that. <laughs> because was, Paul was talking about the heart. Yeah. Right? Paul was talking about the heart of the situation. Peter now, was talking about the heart. Yeah. James was talking about the heart. Right. Now here's Paul going... No, I don't care about his heart. Yeah. <laughs> he left us. His actions spoke, you know. Right, which is a beautiful sh- showing of of how imperfect these guys are. Yes. You know, Peter was in trouble on the front end of this chapter because he was one of the, like, Paul calls him in Galatians a hypocrite. Yep. This is Peter. This is the guy that people are like, well, he helped start the church. Paul, Peter, Paul said he's a hypocrite yep. because he's two-faced. Because when the Jews showed up and they were like, oh, we have to be Jewish. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm going to be And entered. now Paul is doing something that he was speaking against earlier. Exactly. And I think maybe this gives the allusion to what Paul talks about later where mm-hmm. he says, those things that I want to do, those are the things that I don't do. And those things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. Exactly. And it is, it is the fruit of this is borne out over time mm-hmm. because Paul and Barnabas don't end up apart. Mm. John Mark doesn't end up divided from Paul. Right. Paul and Silas go on, and God used the two of them mm-hmm. as only God could have used the two of them. Right. Barnabas could not have made that journey with Paul. John Mark could not have made that journey. Paul could not have gone on with Barnabas and did what John Mark did with Barnabas. Mm-hmm. It was like everything was as it should be, and there ends up being reconciliation right. in the long run because they all realize, I believe— they all realized, man, we were all growing. Yeah. You know, one of the great things I think about the body of Christ is that we can look back and go, man, <laughs> did I really say that? <laughs> like, I I go back to sermons sometimes, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, did I really say that? <laughs> it's like, what were you thinking at the time, man? It's like, but you have people around you who go, man, I know your heart. Mm-hmm. Man, I know you didn't mean anything by that. And, man, you've grown so much since then. Those are the people you need in your life to disciple to, to disciple you and to be discipled by you. Yeah. To be comforted, to encourage one another, mm-hmm. not to give up on one another, mm-hmm. but see redemptive qualities and look to the heart of it. Mm-hmm. And if it is a hard issue and they don't repent, that's a whole other issue. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation to have about dealing with them. I want to point out the fact that the, a key word you said, it's a, a matter of time. 
it was it was a we it's it's a it's the length of time for that that reconciliation to take place between Paul and Barnabas, and we see the fruit of it over time. It doesn't make sense at the moment why we have these issues and these struggles, but over time we see God, in His own divine beautiful way, lay out um, hope and salvation for people. It just we had to walk through it. And you know what's interesting, Dallas, is that they weren't having ongoing conversations about. Hey man, do we need to reconcile? Or we basically what happened was Paul saw the fruit mm-hmm. in John Mark's life. He saw the fruit in Barnabas's life. Mm-hmm. Barnabas looked back and saw the fruit of Paul's life, and that hey, man, Paul maybe he was having a bad day. Maybe it was just all that. But look what's happened since then. Mm-hmm. And they both judged one another. They all ended up judging one another by their fruit. Mm-hmm. You will know them by their fruit. Exactly. So it wasn't like <laughs> just this ongoing conversation and contention of, man, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? It was just both of them did what the Lord was speaking to them to do, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit fruit that came out of that, they were able to look at that and go, man, the Lord was in that. Absolutely. So good. So good. Any last thoughts on the on the chapter, Pastor? No, I love that chapter. <laughs> I, I didn't realize I love that chapter as much as I love that chapter. And I think that's a lot of times, week by week, y'all, when we get into this, yes, we kind of are like, hey, let's maybe talk about this. Sometimes we don't end up talking about any of that, which I love because the Holy Spirit just gives us a roadmap. Right. And then in the midst of that, I end up going, wow, I never saw that before. Yeah. And that's the amazing thing about the Word of God is that you can read it over and over and over and over again. And the Word of God never changes. Right. But we do. Mm-hmm. And our seasons change. Right. And the Word of God can speak a better word and a different in a different way mm-hmm. depending on what season we're in. Absolutely. And I love that about the word of God. So good. So good. Well guys, I want to encourage you to dig back in like yeah, you've listened to us talk through this, you've heard us read it. Read it yourself. Dig into it. Yep. And then let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you've pulled out of, how you've been encouraged by it. And reach out to us. You can email us mediahub at thbcreport.com or find us on our social media platform, uh, Facebook. That's the only one we're on right now, technically. Uh, Midweek Move. Uh, if you want to follow the church, The Healing Place, find us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Look for THP Shreveport, and you'll find all the information for us there. Um, also, I invite you guys just a favor. Leave a review of this podcast. You can leave yeah. a review on, on our Facebook page, but also on Apple Podcasts, and uh, you can leave a review on Spotify and also uh, Podchaser. Links down below. Uh, why am I asking you to do that? Because it helps to get this out. It helps to help this to grow a little more orga- organically. And I also want to invite you to share this. Um, and I've said this several times. Don't just like blind share this out. Like yep. be intentional. Like be, be like be really intentional. Like who needs this word today? Because yep. somebody in your life needs this word. Yep. It may just be you and that's fine. And we are excited to pray with you. But send this to somebody that needs this word, that needs to encourage it. Maybe they're maybe they're a John Mark and they feel like they've been thrusted out and they, you know, they need a Barnabas like you to reach out oh, to them. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, that's good, man. <laughs> reach out Even to them. Even in the closing, man. Come on. This is awesome. <laughs> so reach out to them and encourage them. So until next time, have a great week.